This recording is in the public domain. God's Answer to Legalism Read by Third Anchor Galatians God's Answer to Legalism by B.B. Sutcliffe Section 3 Practical Chapter 5, verse 1 through chapter 6, verse 16 Paul's Gospel Applied to Daily Life Guards Against Bondage It is the gospel of the grace of God which gives true liberty Chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Chapter 5, verse 1. The word, therefore, takes us back to what we found in the earliest part of the epistle. Christ has set us free from this present evil world. Chapter 1, verse 4. From what we were by nature. Chapter 2, verse 20. From the curse of the law. Chapter 3, verse 13. And from the law itself. Chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. All was bondaged under the law. And Peter had declared in his address before the council at Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 15, verses 6 through 11, that the law was a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But Christ has set us free from that yoke. He was delivered for, on account of, or because of, our offenses, and was raised for, on account or because of, our justification. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. By the sacrifice of Christ, the law has been forever satisfied, and the believer forever justified and made free from the yoke of bondage. It is the gospel of the grace of God alone that makes this known. Hence, turning to the law ruins grace. If he be circumcised, if he turn to the law in any degree, Christ shall profit you nothing. Chapter 5, verses 2 through 6. Christ cannot have his sacrifice added to the law or the law to it in the work of redemption and justification. As the believer is chosen unto the praise of the glory of his grace, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, and as God has saved us, that in the ages to come he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. He must have all the glory of our redemption and justification. Suppose that a patent medicine firm should receive a testimonial reading. I was greatly troubled by a certain ailment and could find no relief from the physicians. A friend brought your remedy to my attention. After taking your remedy, together with some of my own make, I am now wholly recovered. Such a testimony would be of no value because no one could tell which remedy, the patent medicine or that of the patient's own make, had brought the relief. Just so, there would be no glory to the grace of God if any were able to say, I am justified by what the Lord has done and by what I do. This is exactly the testimony of all legalists. Again, Turning to the law not only ruins grace, but makes the one who does so a debtor to do the whole law. Chapter 5, verse 3. 
There can be no choosing one part of the law and overlooking another. It must be either the whole or none. Furthermore, the one who turns to the law is fallen from grace. Chapter 5, verse 4. Falling from grace does not mean, as some think, falling into some open sin or being careless in the religious life. It means being unwilling to trust wholly in what the Lord has done in grace, and it manifests itself in the attempt to improve the Lord's work by adding certain law works. Moreover, turning to the law hinders the progress of the believer. Chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. The Galatian believers had been running well, making progress in their faith, and growing in grace until they listened to the false teachers who would bring them under the law. You were running well, says the apostle, but now they have ceased to run. Their progress had ceased. A legalist simply cannot make progress. He can never get beyond the place of wondering if he's done sufficient to make himself pleasing to God. The apostle sees that the preaching of the law by the false teachers was like leaven, leavening the whole lump, affecting every part of their Christian profession. For relief, he turns from contemplating the Galatians and looks at the work of Christ on their behalf. As he remembers their confession of faith and their acceptance of Christ when he first went among them, he can say, I have confidence in you in the Lord. Verse 10. He could have no confidence in them in their present state, but he could wholly trust the Lord to complete the good work he had begun in them. Finally, turning to the law implies that man can gain merit thereby and so brings to an end the offense of the cross. Chapter 5, verse 11. The cross of Christ is an offense to all that man prides himself in. It is an offense to his morality because it tells him his works cannot justify him. It is an offense to his philosophy because its appeal is to faith and not to reason. It is an offense to his culture because its truths are revealed to babes. It is an offense to his sense of caste because God chooses the poor and the humble. It is an offense to his will because he calls for an unconditional surrender. It is an offense to his pride because it shows the exceeding sinfulness of the human heart. And finally, it is an offense to himself because it declares he must be born again. The cross brings to an end all that man is or can be or can do by nature. It closes his life, counts him as a dead man before God, a dead man whose death was the death of a criminal. To impose the law upon believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is to resurrect the criminal. Hence the apostle says, I would. They were even cut off who trouble you. Chapter 5, verse 12. Paul's Gospel Applied to Daily Life It guards against license. It is the gospel of the grace of God which guards against license. Chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. You have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. 
It is sometimes said by those to whom the grace of God seems insufficient that preaching pure grace apart from the law is like preaching that men may live as they like and do as they like. This is exactly what the gospel of grace does for the believer. It is grace, not law, that frees from doing wrong and allows one to do right. Grace does not set free to sin, but from sin. The believer who wholly trusts the grace of God desires to please God, not because he must, like a slave, but because he will, like a son. He does what God wants, not because he fears to do otherwise, like an enemy, but because he wants to do it like a friend. He serves God not because of any pressure from without, like the law, but because of a principle within, even the life of Christ. He says with Paul, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Slavishly refraining from doing what one desires to do is as far as the law can take one in being pleasing to God. It is wholly a negative goodness and consists in not doing certain prohibited things because of the fear of punishment. It never rises to the sphere of positive goodness where one does things to please God for the very love of pleasing Him, finding the service thus rendered to be in itself a delight and a joy. This latter is what the gospel of the grace of God works in the believer's heart, and thus guards him from license. Paul's gospel applied to daily life. It guards against the flesh. It is the gospel of the grace of God which guards against the desires of the flesh. Chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh is still in the believer, and the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. The Holy Spirit is received by faith, and the believer is now to allow that Spirit to rule in his life. As he is allowed to rule, he sets the believer free from the law of sin and death, which is in him and which would constrain him to do the works of the flesh. There is no hint here of the eradication of the old nature, but the overcoming of it by a higher law, the law of the Spirit. See Romans chapter 8, verses 2 through 4. There is no deliverance from the old nature by anything the believer can do. The more he struggles, the less victory he has. The victory cannot be attained until he recognizes that in himself, that is, in the flesh, there dwells no good thing. In himself, therefore, is no power to give victory. He must cease all his struggling and simply trust the Holy Spirit to do in and for him what he himself cannot do. In the measure he yields himself to the indwelling Spirit of God, in that measure he finds deliverance from and victory over the law of sin and death in his members.
When a man weighing 180 pounds steps into an elevator, he weighs no less than he did before. It is the law of gravity which gives him weight, and that law never ceases to act wherever he is. But when the elevator is started, the law of gravity is entirely overcome, even though it continues working in full vigor and the man is set free from it. He does not aid the elevator by trying to go up. He merely relaxes and allows the elevator to do all the work of taking him up. Just so, the believer needs to learn to relax in the Holy Spirit and allow him to perform his office work, namely, delivering from the law of sin and death. In this whole passage, the student should note the difference between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Paul's Gospel Applied to Daily Life It Guards Against Spiritual Pride It is the gospel of the grace of God which guards against spiritual pride. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Because a believer commits sin or is overtaken by a fault, a trespass, he does not lose the salvation he receives by grace. Many think that when a Christian commits sin, he loses his hope in Christ and needs to be saved over again. But the Spirit says here that such a one needs to be restored. Ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. The word restored means reset, as when a bone in the human body becomes dislocated and needs to be reset or restored. The spirit of meekness is required to restore an erring brother, and the absence of this spirit is the reason why so few restorations are seen in the church. Self-consideration with its revelation of possible heinous sin will keep any honest believer in the spirit of meekness and guard him from spiritual pride. No man has ever fallen into any sin of which the saintliest believer is not capable. There is in each human being, because of the heritage received from Adam, the possibility of any sin. There is nothing in human nature of which to be proud or in which to boast. All are members of the human race, sinners of a common nature, chips from the common block, fallen and frail. The believer may certainly boast, but all such boasting is in another, who alone keeps him from falling, the Lord Jesus Christ. We should, therefore, bear one another's burdens or frailty, verse 3, while each one must bear our own burden or responsibility, verse 5. Paul's Gospel Applied to Daily Life. It guards against selfishness. It is the gospel of the grace of God which guards against selfishness. Chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, has frequently been the urge against certain sins or sinful ways of living. While this verse most surely carries this message, its primary application is seen in the context which has to do with the matter of giving material good for the spiritual. Taking without return what God gives through his appointed teachers is to turn what he gives to corruption. The fact that the teacher may not be in need does not relieve the hearer from this 
duty of giving in return for the teaching received. The kind of selfishness that marks many a community of professing Christians is in large measure responsible for the lack of spiritual growth in that community. If the gospel of the grace of God was fully preached and accepted in experience, this selfishness would be done away and the pathway open for further growth and instruction. Paul's gospel applied to daily life. It guards against exaltation of the flesh. It is the gospel of the grace of God which guards against the exaltation of the flesh. Chapter 6, verses 11 through 14. Bringing in the law presupposes that the flesh is not wholly evil, but that there is in it something that can be made good or made to do good. The cross of Christ, however, brings death to all the old nature, whether good or bad, and leaves nothing to glory in save the grace of God. These false teachers, not willing to suffer what the cross of Christ brings, would have the Galatian believers circumcised in order that their flesh might be exalted. Neither they themselves keep the law, nor their devotees. They were therefore continually under the condemnation of the law, yet they made a boast of what they did in the way of law-keeping. A crowd of convicted criminals in jail because of their crimes and boasting of being law-abiding citizens would be no more vain in their boasting than these legalists. The grace of God, by the cross of Christ, shuts out all boasting in the flesh and guards the believer from falling into that snare of Satan's, exalting the flesh. Paul's gospel applied to daily life. It guards against walking disorderly. It is the gospel of the grace of God which guards against walking disorderly. Chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. Nothing avails in Christ except the new creation. And as many as walk by this rule, the rule of the new creation, find peace. Walking under the rule of the law is always a disorderly walk, displeasing to God. The reason for this is that under the law, there's only condemnation. Recognizing what the cross does and putting away all that the law can reach, and walking wholly in the new creation, which is outside the sphere of the law, guards from such disorderly walking. Section 4 of Galatians God's Answer to Legalism by B.B. Sutcliffe Conclusion Chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 Paul concludes the epistle with the reference to the brands which he bore on his body, Brands which proclaims that he knew whereof he was speaking. While the false teachers might boast in the righteousness they had by the law, all would boast in the righteousness he had by Christ. Then follows the closing benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. May God grant to each reader to find rest and peace and power in accepting wholly the gospel of the grace of God. This recording is in the public domain. End of section three. Read by Third Anchor. End of Galatians. God's Answer to Legalism by B.B. Sutcliffe.